0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to The Creek. It is great to see you today. We're kicking off a brand new series, as Robert just told us, called Stressed Out. How many of you at some point in your life would say, I was completely stressed out? Anybody? Yes? All right. All right. Well, a lot of us, a lot of us carry this this stress, and it's a pretty normal thing. I think that we live in a world where there is just a ton of stress and chaos and anxiety and and life just keeps getting busier and busier from the time that you wake up in the morning and your phone is buzzing and you're checking your phone and there's, there's stuff to deal with there. And then you turn on the morning news and it's all this chaos happening all over the world to the, the busy, frantic pace of life. And if you're getting kids ready in the midst of that, man, that's a whole extra la- layer of stress. And by the time we get to our pillow at the end of the day, it's like our head is still spinning with all of these anxious thoughts. And we just think that that's a normal way to live. In fact, we don't know any different. It's kind of like... A fish in the ocean doesn't even know that he's wet, just the whole world that he knows is water. And for us, we live in this ocean of stress and anxiety and worry, and it feels so normal to us that we don't even know that we're in it. And yet God is calling us to step out of that into something so freeing, something so full of peace and joy and real life. And he doesn't want us to settle for anything less. And that's what we're going to be talking about over the course of these next, next three weeks. Because when it comes to, to stress, anxiety, God's word sums it up in this, this one little verse in Philippians, which simply says this, be anxious for nothing. Now, that seems like one of the verses in the Bible that you read and think, well, that's a nice bumper sticker, but that's not really possible because the world is full of reasons to be anxious, right? I mean, the, there's all kinds of stuff to be anxious about. And yet God's saying, look, I don't want you to not only don't be anxious about big things, little things. I don't want you to be anxious about Anything. And we think, how are we just supposed to bury our heads in the sand and pretend like life's problems don't exist? God, are you not paying attention to the bills I have to pay and all the places I got to go and all the different demands on me? And God's saying, yes, I see all of that. And I'm telling you, it's possible to have peace right in the middle of it. And he wants he wants peace. Because looking at the world around us, the way that we're doing things as a culture of just trying to go faster and faster and have more and more piled on us from a very young age, it it, it isn't working. As I was doing some research for this series, one of the quotes that really was staggering to me as a parent was this quote from a psychologist who said, the average child today exhibits the same amount of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient from the 1950s. That's crazy. Right? That our kids are growing up, and it's like they're just born into it. And that anxiety and stress and worry and never having any downtime, never really feeling truly at peace, it starts at such a young age, and then we just, we just go through life that way. Now, there was a, there was a book that kind of helped inspire this series. It's a book I read recently by Max Lucado, and it's called Anxious for Nothing, which is the, the title of this first sermon in the series. And it's a book I encourage you to read. One of the quotes in it that Max said, he said, the presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is optional. And what he was saying is you're going to live in a world where you can't control the fact that there's anxiety and stress all around you. But you get to control the thoughts that you choose to focus on. Centuries ago, the theologian Martin Luther said it this way. He said, you can't keep a bird from flying over your head. But you can keep it from building a nest in your hair. And he was talking about our thought life. You can't control what thoughts shoot through your brain. But you can control which ones that you allow to burrow into your mind and build a nest and really live there. The ones that you keep coming back to. And part of the reason I wanted to do this series it just comes from a personal place. Like, I'm I'm a guy that's always kind of internalized stress. And I know what you're thinking. Dave, what do you have to be stressed about? You're a pastor. You only work one day a week, right? So but just like you i've got i've got plenty of stress i've got kids and bills and I've, I've got you know my problems and i've got i internalize other people's problems and i'm connected to a lot of people and we've all got problems I, I i i tend to go at a pace that's not sustainable and maybe you're like that too you know trying to squeeze too much into every day and it just kind of has caught up with me over the years you know, several years back, I had this, this issue where my, my digestive system wasn't working right. And I thought I had some something terribly wrong with me medically. And they checked me all out and they said, no, we think it's just stress. Like it's a physical response to stress. And then most recently, I got diagnosed with a, with a thyroid disorder, which is genetic, but it can be set off by stress. And I'm convinced that the reason why it, it came so early in my life is because... Of of the stress that i've allowed into my life. So it's had like a physical impact on me And so this has been a journey for me of like going back to god's word and saying lord. I know this isn't how we're called to live I know we're called to live at peace and i'm doing this part of it wrong I'm, I'm i'm worrying or i'm having anxiety or i'm i'm stressing too much when you called me to something else So this series isn't just like me preaching to you guys This is me preaching to myself and reminding myself of these principles because god wants me he wants you He wants all of us to live With And doesn't that sound good? Doesn't that sound like a much better alternative to the way that most of us live of just stressfully striving and going from one thing to the next and never really experiencing real peace? But the good news is God has a plan for real peace for us. In fact, he makes it as simple as he can because he knew that we would all struggle with this. He knew that we would struggle with things like worry and stress and anxiety. And he said, "I, I want you to keep coming back to these truths so that you can be set free from it. And so over the course of these next three weeks, we're going to rediscover what it means to be set free the way that Jesus wants us to be free. And if you have your Bible with you this morning, you can open it up to Philippians chapter 4. And if you don't have a Bible, don't worry, we'll have all these on the screens behind me. Philippians chapter 4 is one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. You could read the whole chapter in probably a minute or two minutes at the most. But every word in it has such profound power for helping us live a life of peace. And in fact, according to Amazon Kindle, which is where I read a lot of my books, they keep track of everything you highlight in your ebooks. They say that this passage I'm about to read is one of the most highlighted passages in the entire Bible. So it's not only brought comfort to me, but apparently to millions and millions of others around the world as well. And I'm going to read this whole passage all at once, and then we're going to spend our time this morning put, going through this again more slowly. Picking out five key principles that God gives us in this passage of how we can let go of worry and stress and embrace the kind of peace that he wants us to have. So beginning in verse four of chapter four, it says this, it says, always be full of joy. I say it again. Rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Then we read that and you might think when well, that that sounds nice, it sounds almost like a Hallmark card. You know, I bet the guy who wrote that probably didn't have a care in the world. He probably was a lottery winner and he probably never had any kind of aches or pains. He probably didn't have any stress. He didn't have any in-laws. He didn't have any, any stressful relationships. He didn't have anything to cause stress in his life. But the truth is, this was written from a prison cell by the Apostle Paul. The same guy there's a movie out about right now, Paul, Apostle of Christ. He's writing from a prison cell. He's writing in physical pain. Very often in shackles, he's riding bent over because his back has been seared from beatings and floggings from Roman officials through the years, almost to the point of death. He's writing from from a place of loneliness where many of the people in his life that he did love and trust at different points had abandoned him. And on top of that, he didn't have a spouse to share life with. He didn't have children of his own to share life with. All of his children were spiritual people that he poured into a spiritual family But he's writing from a place where from the outside, he didn't have any reason at all to have joy. And he opens up this passage by saying, rejoice. I'm going to say it again. He repeats it. I say it again. I want you to rejoice. I want you to be joyful. Whatever situation you're in, because Paul had understood that happiness, real joy, isn't the result of our External circumstances, things that are fickle, things that change our mood, it's rooted in something that's unchanging It's rooted in Christ. And because of that, whatever Paul faced in his life, he saw the good in it. He saw God working in it where he looked at this prison cell. And instead of thinking, man, this place is terrible, he thought to himself, God, what a gift you've given me this nice, quiet, uninterrupted place where I can write these letters. Thank you, Lord. Instead of seeing a prison guard, somebody watching over him all the time, he thought, God, great. It's, it's somebody who doesn't know you yet that is stuck with me all day that I get to tell them about you until they finally get your grace and how good it really is. They kill him. They say, God, well, Paul, we're going to behead you. We're going to cut your head off. He's like, great, because for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Like, fine, we'll let you live. He's like, great, there's so much more I can do here to encourage the brothers and sisters. It's like, what do you do with a guy like that? You can't steal the joy of a guy like that. And it wasn't this blind joy where he just went went through life laughing all the time or putting his head in the sand of the problems. He was living those problems. He was living those struggles. There were sleepless nights. There was tears. There was pain. But in the midst of it, he never lost sight of the truth that, that can set all of us free. And it's that in this life, through Christ, all of our struggles are temporary. And all of our joys will be eternal. And it was that truth that kept him full of joy, full of peace. When he had every reason in the world to stress and to doubt and to feel sorry for himself. And so I think that we can learn so much. Not only from the fact that the Holy Spirit chose Paul to be the one to give us this message. But because Paul lived this out in a a way that so few have. So we don't need to feel victims to whatever situations and struggles we're in. And God sees your struggles and He cares deeply about it. He cares about, about that pain that you're, you're carrying, about those prayers that you're praying that haven't yet been answered the way that you want them to. But He also wants you to have peace even while you're waiting for the situation to change because real peace isn't the result of your situation, it's the result of your Savior. And when we can discover that, it'll set us free, whether we're in a prison cell or on a mountaintop or somewhere in between. So here are five principles that we can apply from this passage. And if you're filling in the blanks in your worship guide, we've got some fill in the blanks for those of you who like to learn that way. And so here's the first one. First thing that we do to combat worry and stress and anxiety in our lives. Worship when you feel like worrying. He began this passage, Paul did by saying, always be full of joy in the Lord. Again I say rejoice. That's an act of worship. That's an act of praising God. He says don't just praise God when you feel great. But it's even more important to praise God when you feel like worrying. Because here's the, here's the, the, the truth in that. Worship and worries can't coexist. So the more, the, ma- the more you magnify God, the more his presence will diminish your fears. See, God doesn't want us to pretend like our problems aren't there. He wants us to remember that he's so much bigger than our problems. He wants us to remember that he's bigger than whatever's stressing us out. And the more that we magnify him, and when I say we magnify him, it doesn't mean we actually make him bigger because he's already limitlessly big. But we magnify the amount of space that we give him in our thoughts, in our praise, in our hearts, in our lives, in our words. And the more that we open ourselves up to receive just his awesomeness, the less room there really is in our hearts for for worry and fear. Because I want you to picture it like there's this room in your heart and that room can only have one occupant. And every day we have to decide if worry or faith gets to live there because there's not room for both they they make terrible roommates is your faith or your fears going to rule in your heart and it's not only a daily decision i think it's a minute by minute decision because every minute there's a reason that's going to come into your thought to worry about something or to have anxiety or to stress about something and every minute it's another opportunity to say lord i'm praising you i'm going to choose to praise you i'm going to thank you for your goodness i'm going to just thank you for your presence in my life i'm going to thank you that you're working all things together for my good and the more that we will do that, that we'll consciously focus on our, our Savior, His presence and His grace in our life, the more that worry is going to lose its grip over us. It doesn't happen all at once because it's, it's, it's a minute-by-minute minute thing. And that's the way God wants our faith to be. He doesn't want our faith to just be, you know, show up on Sunday and sing a few songs and get a message and then go live completely apart from Him. No, He wants us to come together this way each week to, to be encouraged together and to encourage one another. But then as we go out from this place everything that you do to do it with jesus everything that you do to realize that he's there with you he's there with you in the traffic he's there with you in the long line at the grocery store he's there with you in the classroom or the office or wherever you are and he wants to give you peace in it so worship when you feel like worry number two pray when you feel like panicking a few verses down paul writes pray about everything tell god what you need and thank him for all that he has done So when you feel that urge coming on to like panic about something, worry about something, really where that comes from, it comes from feeling like we're responsible for fixing all the problems in the world and in our own life. It kind of comes from us playing God. It's saying, God, you're not dealing with this situation the way that I want you to or as fast as I want you to. So I'm going to take it and I'm going to deal with it my own way when really we're 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 powerless To do that. And when we try to do it, the weight of it is just crushing to us. And so instead of panicking when we think of those thoughts of these big things that need to be fixed, we need to pray. And this doesn't mean that we don't actually strive and work to be responsible people and to pay our own bills and to to do the things in our life that God's called us to do, but it means we realize we don't have to do it all in our own strength. That He is the one there with us, guiding us. And I think that we, we will unlock the real key to letting go of this worry. Through our prayers when we don't just pray but when we use our prayers to thank god I think the first part of that verse, you know ask god for what you need We're pretty good at that. We'll give god the whole laundry list of things that we need but then we forget the second part of that Which says thank him for all that he's done And here's why here's the principle an attitude of gratitude is a good antidote to anxiety Thankfulness chases our worries away God is always telling us to give him thanks. It's not because he needs our thanks it's because we need to give it. Have you ever noticed that it's almost impossible to be thankful and stressed at the same time? Like, I want you to try it. Like, the next time you're feeling stressed, I want you to just start listing out out loud things that you're thankful for. I want you to start listing out prayers that have been answered. I want you to start listing out things in your life that you have right now that, that there was a time when you really, really wanted. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a vehicle. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's children. Maybe it's the fact that your children finally grew up and moved out and you have your house back. May, I mean, whatever it is, we've always got this reason to, to give thanks. But what we tend to do is instead of focusing on all the reasons we have to be thankful, we focus, as soon as we get the thing that we've been praying for, our mind immediately doesn't go to gratitude. It goes to the thing we think we want next. And this has always been how it's been because, you know, we're all pretty selfish by nature. There's a story in the, in the Gospels of ten lepers... They came to Jesus. Leprosy was like the worst thing you could have in the ancient world. It was a highly contagious disease. It was fatal. Your body slowly rotted away. It was contagious, so nobody wanted to be around you. In fact, you had to live alone or with other lepers. You had to shout the word unclean whenever you came in public, so people would scatter away from you. It was the worst thing imaginable. It was painful. It was isolating emotionally, physically. It was terrible. And so these ten lepers see Jesus... And they, they call out from a distance, you know, begging him to heal them. This is the one thing they prayed for. This is the thing that for each of them, I'm sure they would have said, if, if I could just have a miraculous healing from this, I'd spend the rest of my life grateful. I would just spend the rest of my life praising God. I wouldn't want for anything else. And Jesus gave them their request. He said, OK, you know, go show yourselves to the priest that you're healed. Now, the way he healed them, it was it was miraculous in its own way. He didn't heal them right away. He made them step out in faith. He said, go and show the priest, which was part of the custom. Then you had to have the priest sign off that, OK, you're healed. You can re-enter society. But he made them go walking to announce that they were healed before they were healed. So they had to step out in faith, believing the miracle would happen as they went. And I think God does that a lot. We say, we say, God, do the miracle and then I'll go. He says, no, go and then you'll see the miracle. Go and then then you'll see my work. He, he, he always uses our faith to activate His work so they go and on the way they're healed and what happens you think that all 10 would say oh my goodness we're healed let's let's run and just hug jesus and praise him this is the one thing we've prayed for all of our lives but the bible tells us what happened instead is that nine of them just ran off and and did their own thing nine of them their minds didn't go to gratitude their minds instantly went to all the things they wanted to do next and one of the 10 turned back and ran to Jesus and praised him and thanked him. And Jesus commended him and he praised him. And and, and that guy received really the true blessing for for having that attitude of gratitude. But Jesus also asked, where are the other nine? Didn't I heal 10 of you guys? 90% of you didn't have any gratitude. And I think that I know I've been, and I bet you've been at times too, part of that ungrateful 90%. We get the very thing that we think, if I had that, Then i'll never ask for anything else. I'll I'll just praise god And not only do we not thank him But our mind just instantly goes to the next things that we think that we want and it puts us on this treadmill Of never experiencing contentment or joy or peace Because we're always thinking we've got to get that next thing I've just got to get that next thing that next thing whatever it is And we spend our whole life climbing up these ladders and racing through life trying to get that next thing When jesus is saying slow down Have have gratitude, have praise, come and just rest in me and with me. And then you'll experience true peace. You'll experience a blessing that's far greater than all those things that you're striving for. And so when you feel like panicking, pause and praise him, thank him. You'll be amazed at what that attitude of gratitude does to release worry and stress's grip in your life and to bring in more peace. Okay, number three, embrace peace when you feel paralyzed with anxiety verse later, Paul writes this, his peace will guard your hearts and your minds as so you live in Christ Jesus. So how do we embrace peace, right? It sounds nice, but how do we really do that? Well, here's how embracing peace often requires surrendering control to the prince of peace. I think that we take our worry, busy, chaotic, stress-fueled life and we, we use that same misguided approach to embrace peace. We're like We think, I'll get peace if I just try harder. If I work harder, if I, if I jump through more religious hoops to show God how, how much that I'm trying to, to get this. And we miss the whole point. Because peace doesn't come through jumping through hoops or through religious ritual or exercise. Peace comes through a relationship. It comes through a relationship with Christ. And it's not from trying harder. Really, it's from surrendering more. It's from letting go of, of our need to control everything and saying, Lord, you be the one that's in control. I just want to, I want to live in you. I want to follow you. I want to trust in you. I want you to work through me in whatever it is that I'm, I'm doing in any given day. One of my favorite Christian writers and speakers is this guy named Bob Goff. He's not even a pastor. In fact, he's, he's a lawyer. Um, and so he, he's, Taking his faith into the marketplace and is really just living out his faith in some really profound ways i encourage you to read his books there's one called love does his first book is called love does and he's sharing um just a whole collection of really inspiring and neat stories and one of the stories has it relates to this he says that when he's training his clients to go into a high stress situation like a deposition or or they're going to have to sit on a witness stand and be grilled by a Uh, By a prosecuting attorney, or or they're going to have to sit in a boardroom with a whole bunch of suits staring back at them with all this pressure. He said, "This is what I want you to do." He said, "It probably sounds cheesy, but I want you to do it." He said, "I want you to to slip your hands under that table where nobody can see your hands, or, or or under that the box of that witness booth where nobody can see your hands." And he said, and "I want you to let go of the fist that we all tend to make when we're stressed, and I want you to answer the questions they ask you with your hands open. And as you open your hands." and you just are in this posture with open hands, I want you to just whisper a silent prayer saying, God, I'm letting go. And I'm asking you to give me peace and to give me the words and to be in control of this situation. And I thank you that you're here with me. And I'm just letting go. And people say, oh, that's cheesy. That's something. He said, just try it. Just try it. And time after time, people in these stressful situations would just open their hands. They'd whisper a little silent prayer, remind themselves God's with them. they They'd let go. And just that simple posture of releasing their grip and opening their hands, it, it, brought, it brought peace. So something I want to challenge you to do this week that might sound, seem uncomfortable, it might be different. But I want you to pray this week. And I want you to pray not with your hands folded or not, not just driving a car around the, with your hands on the steering wheel. I want you to be in a place this week where you can, you can pray, you can talk to God. And I want you to open your hands when you do it whether your eyes are closed or not, that part doesn't matter. I want you to open your hands and I want you to say as you do, God, I'm letting go of all of my worries this week, all of my, my fears, all of my doubts, all of my stress, and I'm opening up my heart and I'm opening up my hands for you to take away from me all the stuff I'm holding on to that's not of you and for you to fill my heart and fill my life with all of the peace and the joy that you want to bring. And there's, there's something about just allowing our posture to reflect what we're actually saying and praying and thinking, that it will it will create more peace. I want, I want you to try that this week. I think that you'll be surprised at how your prayers will feel different when you pray it with open hands. All right, number four. Focus on the positive when you feel like obsessing about the negative. Philippians 4, 8, one of the verses we looked at said this, fix your thoughts on... Things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Really, there was a whole long list. Things that are noble and beautiful and excellent and praiseworthy. There was a whole list. But what Paul's saying is, I want you to focus on the good. Because here's why. Your focus will eventually shape your feelings. Now, this principle on the surface, it, it, it feels like, well, isn't that just kind of like self-help? The power of positive thinking. It, it's so much more than that. There is a deep and eternal spiritual principle at the heart of this. God is saying, look, your mind is a powerful thing. The Bible says, as a person thinks, so they become, so they are. Your th- everything we do, good or bad, begins in our mind. Every positive choice, every sin, it always begins in our mind. And so what are you choosing to focus on? Because that is going to seem bigger. I won't, I won't do it right now because I did it a few months ago. But just to recap it, I did an exercise a while back where I said, I'm going to give you five seconds to look around this whole room, see how perceptive we are. Because we all think we see reality the way that it is. But usually we have blinders on. I said, so this is what we're going to do. I want you to look for every red item you can see in this room. And see how many you can count in five seconds. And I would say, go. And I'd count to five and people would look around. They'd see red exit signs. They'd see red shirts. They'd see red purses and red shoes. And I'd say, now stop. Close your eyes. And they would close their eyes. And I'd say, now let's see how perceptive you were. Out loud, I want you to tell me everything you just saw that is the color blue. And there'd be Silence. People would laugh and they'd open up their eyes and they'd look around and it was like it had magically appeared. There was blue everywhere. There was actually more blue than red, blue shirts, blue purses, blue signs, blue lights. And the reason why they didn't see it, even though it had been right in front of them all along, it's the same reason we don't see lots of things. It's because we were looking for something else. Jesus said, seek and you will find. The actual verb tense he used is seek and keep on seeking. And that's what you'll find. Knock and keep on knocking, and those are the doors that will be opened. So the opposite of that has to be true as well, right? Whatever you're not seeking, you're not likely to find. Whatever doors you're not knocking on, they're not likely to be opened. So if you go through life and all you look for are problems, it's all you will see. If you go through life and all you look for are reasons to be stressed and reasons to be fearful and reasons to to, to have anxiety, it's all you'll see. And pretty soon you'll convince yourself that the world is out to get you. Pretty soon you'll convince yourself that that your life is cursed or it's doomed and it's not. It's that your focus is on the wrong things. And so instead of looking at all of that, and again, it's not that we don't, we're not called to pretend that the world doesn't have problems. We're actually called to be salt and light. who are in the middle of the world's problems actually Fixing them as ambassadors of christ, but we do it with this joy of knowing that ultimately it's god who does it through us And we 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 don't have to carry the the anxiety and the fear of thinking it all falls on us He he works through us and what a gift that is And even in the midst of, of life's problems and chaos We choose to look at the positive. We focus on that Which is good because if you're looking for it, you'll see blessings all around you You'll see blessings hidden in unexpected ways paul saw blessings in his prison cell Paul saw blessings in the shackles that he was wearing because he realized God was working all things together for his good, because that's what God does. And if you'll choose to see life through that perspective, it's not just wishful thinking. It's not being naive. It's not being careless. And it's not even avoiding life's problems that we're called to face head on. But it will change your perspective as you face life challenges. You won't look at things as this curse upon you. You'll look at it as, God, if you've allowed this difficulty in my life, it's for my good and your glory. I know my struggles are temporary. My joy is eternal. If you're allowing me to go through this hardship, it's because there's something in this situation that you're going to use to bring about something good in me or through me. And even though I might not fully see it on this side of heaven ever, I thank you for it. I praise you for that difficult person you've allowed into my life and help me to love them the way that I should. I thank you, Lord, for this difficult medical situation that I'm facing right now, because I know that just like Paul had a thorn in his flesh. That God, through that difficulty, your grace is going to be more and more present in my life as I lean on you more and more. I know that with every situation I'm facing, the good I can thank you for, the difficult I can thank you for as well. Because you're working good in all of it. And if you'll take on that perspective, there's no situation or circumstance in life that will ever truly hold you down. Yeah, you're still going to have tears, you're still going to have hard times, you're still going to have struggles. But you will never lose hope. You will never be crushed by it because you know that the lord is carrying you through it so that was number four number five it's basically to do all these things we've talked about all these things from this passage and do them consistently and this is i think the one where we we give up too easily we'll try these these principles we'll try we'll we'll hear a sermon we're like okay i'll try that and we'll try it for about five minutes and then by the time we hit traffic in the parking lot we're already cussing at people again and it's like well we've slowed down we've We've missed the point. We've got to keep putting this into practice. So that's number five. Keep going when you feel like quitting. That passage end with this. Keep putting into practice all that you learned, all that you heard, all that you saw. Keep doing these things. Don't let it be like your New Year's resolutions. Like, I'm going to get fit this year. And, you know, it's a a week in the gym and week two, you're back at Krispy Kreme. I've been that guy, you know, like many Januaries. But it's any real change. It comes through Consistency. So we've got to do these things over and over. Don't just say, well, I I tried those principles for two hours and I'm still stressed. So forget it. You know, I'm I'm done. It's like, no, we've got to, we've got to unlearn. It takes a while to unlearn longstanding habits. It takes a while for, for the full, full blessing and benefit of a new way of thinking and living to really take root in our life. But when you're, Putting these principles into practice at first, it's like your soul is is putting down roots in God's word. And you don't see roots because they're below the surface. You only see the plant or the tree that grows above the surface. But the roots are what give it strength. And the longer and longer that you're living these out, even if you on the surface don't see the change right away, know that God is putting a root system in your heart and in your mind that's going to give you strength for all that is to come. And don't lose hope. Don't quit too early. So uh, another way to help us remember these things is... This is straight from Max Lucado's book, Uh, Anxious for Nothing, which, again, is a great book. It's to the word calm. He made like this acrostic where C-A-L-M stood for something. To invite more calm in your life, to kind of think of another way to put these principles into action, do this. The C in calm stands for celebrate God's goodness. Remember, you praise God, you thank him, even when you feel like worrying. The A in calm is to ask God for help. Ask him for help. Tell him what you need. He already knows, but tell him. And just entrusting it into his hands, the act of praying about it, the act of giving it to him, um, it does something to just lift it off of your shoulders. The L is to leave your concerns with him. This is a hard part because sometimes we'll say, God, I want you to deal with this. He hasn't fixed it in 24 hours, and then we go and we take it right back from him. You've got to leave it with him. Say, Lord, I keep wanting to take this and stress about it and worry about it, but I'm leaving this with you because you're the only one that can make this right. And then the M is meditate on good things. And when the Bible calls us to meditate, it doesn't mean you have to sit in the lotus position and burn some incense and hum in a corner somewhere. It means to focus your mind and your thoughts on these truths. It it means to declutter your mind from all of the noise and the chaos that's always. It means probably turn your cell phone off means getting in a quiet place and focusing your thoughts and your heart on God's goodness, on His presence, on His truth, and on His Word. And how do we do this? Well, Paul tells us just a few verses down. Philippians 4.13, one of the most famous verses in Scripture. Even Tim Tebow writes it under his eyes when he used to play. For I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's so much more than just a bumper sticker. It's so much more than just a, a, a slogan. That is that is the hope and the truth that that kept Paul a prisoner, beaten, shackled and eventually killed for Christ. It kept him so full of joy and so full of hope because he knew, Lord, whatever you've called me to, whatever I face, I can do it because you're my strength, not in my own strength, but because you're my strength. And that's the hope that we have, too. And that's how we do these things. We don't let go of worry and stress and anxiety just by trying harder, just by saying, all right, I'm going to be more rigid, more religious, more. No, that's missing the whole point. It's it's the letting go and saying, Lord, I need you. I need you to take over. I've tried to be God for too long in my life and I need you to be my savior, my Lord. I need you to bring the peace that only you can bring. Let me tell you one more story to kind of wrap this up as we prepare to close and move into a final song. There's a, a writer and speaker, he passed away a few years ago, but a guy that impacted me deeply through his writing, a guy named Brennan Manning. And Brennan wrote a story in one of his books about how he was called to do a hospital visit for a man he'd never met, but a guy who was dying. And he went to this hospital visit, and the guy was laying in bed, and next to the bed there was a chair. And Brennan walked in and, and introduced himself, and he said, Oh, sir, I, I see there's a, a chair here. Is this, is this for me, or did you have a guest here already? And the guy said, Well you know, you're welcome to sit there, but, um, no, the chair, there's there's kind of an interesting story behind it. It's a little bit embarrassing to talk about, but I'll tell you the story. He said, all my life, I struggled with how to pray. I just never felt natural. Always felt weird to me. I didn't know the words to say, I didn't know what I was supposed to do in prayer. And and I had a friend who'd been walking with the Lord a long time. And he said, Brent, he said, man, you're overthinking it. He said, Jesus is is your best friend. He's there with you all the time. And he's, He's right there with you. So just talk to him like you would talk to your best friend. And he said, I want you to try this. I want you to get an empty chair. And whenever you pray, set the chair in front of you and picture Jesus in it because Jesus is there with you. And he's even more real than that chair is. And just talk to him. Tell him what you're thinking and feeling. Tell him what you're worried about. Thank him for all that he's done. So the guy said, so I started doing this and here in this hospital room, especially it's helped me a lot. I, I put the chair next to my bed and I, and I, I picture Jesus sitting right there in it. And I just talk to him and I thank him for his goodness. And I, I tell him what I'm thinking and what I'm worried about. And, and I know that he's hearing me and I know that he's here with me. And I just gained such strength in that. And, and, and Brennan said, man, I th- that's, that's powerful. That's wonderful. I encourage you to keep doing that because Jesus is right here with you. And I think that's a beautiful way to pray. So Brennan wrapped up his visit and he left the man there in the hospital bed and Few days later, Bernie got a call from the family, and it said, uh, "You know, our, our dad—he passed away. Um, could you come back to the hospital? We'd like you to do the, the funeral service and all that." Bernie said, "I'd be happy to." And they said there was something—there was something interesting though about the way that he died. It said that he'd always kept this chair by his bed, and when he died, the, the nurses came in, and, and they, they'd expected to see him laying in his bed just laying there but that's not how they found him they they found him and he looked totally at peace but his head was resting on the seat of this chair that was next to his bed you know what that could mean and and brennan just smiled and said yeah i know exactly what that means he was resting in the arms of his savior and right now he's resting in the arms of his savior face to face See, friends, Jesus is so real and so present in your life from the moment you invite him in. And he's bigger than whatever stress and chaos you're carrying. And he cares about the details of your life. When he calls us to be anxious for nothing, it's not that he wants us to pretend that life isn't hard. He said, in this world you'll have troubles, but take heart, I've overcome the world. He's promised us that we'll never face those troubles alone. He wants to be the one to carry us through. He wants to be the one that we just find rest and peace in his embrace Knowing he's with us, knowing that he's stronger than what we're facing and that he will carry us through. And I'm going to pray for us and I want to pray specifically for those of you like me who maybe have struggled with with these principles because we just we're just prone to stress. We're prone to to worry and anxiety, but we want that peace that the Prince of Peace brings that today could be the day that you just open up your hands and your heart to receive it. I also want to pray for those of you today that that don't know Jesus yet in a personal way. You, You don't see him sitting on that chair right in front of you. You don't feel that close. You've never invited him to be the leader and the savior of your life. Today can be the day that that begins. He's right here. He's just waiting for your invitation. And it can all begin with one simple choice to invite him in. And it can change the course of your life and your eternity. So let's pray together. And as we pray. I want to invite you, as as strange as it might feel, to just take on that posture of that story we talked about earlier. I just want you to open your hands. Just let go. Open your hands. You might feel weird. This might be new to you. But as you do, just let's pray with your hands open. Father, we're coming to you with open hands, not because there's anything magical about our hands being open, but because it represents that we're letting go of the stress and the chaos and all the things that have weighed us down. And our hearts and our hands are open to receiving all you have for us, Lord. And you have nothing but good things in store for us. And we receive it. Forgive us, Lord, that we've held so tightly to our sinful need to control things that we've we've carried so much stress that's not of you. And we just ask for your peace and your presence to fill us today. For those here today that don't know you let, yet, Lord, whether they're here in person or they're watching online, I pray that today would be the day they'd say, Jesus, would you save me? Forgive me of my sins. Make me into the person you want me to be. And, God, we celebrate with those who've joined your family through that simple act of faith today. And for all of us, God, help us to be anxious for nothing. Help us to know that we can do all things through you, Jesus, who give us strength. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.